Welcome to the Poet Delayed podcast. My name is Scott Edgar and I'm the host. Uh, I, first of all, as always, would just like to thank those of you who took time, took your time to listen to uh, my earlier episodes and to those of you who've reached out and given me some feedback and shared your thoughts about uh, uh, what, what we talked about in those episodes. I really appreciate, appreciate that. Um, so this episode, I'm, I'm by myself. And I, I came across, in high school I read this book by Khalil Gibran called The Prophet. And back then I, I read it kind of just, I thought it was cool to read this book with this uh, uh, guy with his Arabic sounding name. And I just, I read it more for just because I thought it was cool. And I came back to it recently and, and it's really profound. It's, and I'm sure some of you out there have read it. And I wanted to uh, read today a, a poem from this book. Now, it's it's actually a story. So, so well, first of all, Khalil Gibran, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, he he's a Lebanese poet, artist, writer. He came to New York in, I think, the 18, early 1890s with his mom, or maybe a sister or something. Anyway, uh, he came here and, and you know, he, he really developed as an artist and as a writer. And in this book, The Prophet was his, um, was his uh, magnum opus, so to speak. And it's, it's a beautiful book. And it's, the, the, what, the, what the book is, is it's, it's about a prophet. Al-Mustafa is his name. And he's lived in this land with these people for about 12 years. And he's been waiting for his, uh, a ship to come and pick him up and take him back back home. And the book starts out with him seeing the ship coming. And he's so he's getting ready to go back. And he's walking through town to go to, to board the ship. And a lot of townsfolk are... You know, asking him to stay, wanting him to stay, and, and eventually he walks past uh, what's referred to as a sanctuary, and, and there's a seeress, a seeress, uh, Almitra is her name, and she goes up to him and she says, you know, we understand you're going, you're leaving, and, that, and that's fine, um, because, you know, you miss your land, you love your land, and she says, uh, Yet this we ask, ere you leave us, that you speak to us and give us of your truth, and we will give it unto our children, and they unto their children, and it shall not perish. In your aloneness you have watched with our days, and in your wakefulness you have listened to the weeping and the laughter of our sleep. Now therefore disclose us to ourselves, and tell us all that has been shown you of that which is between birth and death. And he answered, People of Orphalese, of what can I speak save of that which is even now moving within your souls? And so the rest of the book uh, is kind of broken up into chapters. In each chapter, uh, somebody asks him, you know, tell us about love. Tell us about marriage. Tell us about pleasure. Tell us about... And then he just, you know, gives a short discourse on each of those topics. And, and so... One of those topics is pain. And when I read this, I don't remember reading this the first time I read it, but it's such a, I don't know, I really, it's, it's, it's a much different um, angle uh, on pain than I've really grown up with and I've, how I've thought about pain. 
And I, so I wanted to read this and just talk a little bit about it and share some, some thoughts of mine that I've had and just some um, things that I've read recently as I've studied and, and so forth that, that kind of impact this, uh, this uh, idea of pain. So I'm going to go ahead and read it now, and we'll talk about it. It says, And a woman spoke, saying, Tell us of pain. And he said, Your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding, even as the stone of the fruit must break, that its heart may stand in the sun, so must you know pain. And could you keep your heart in wonder at the daily miracles of your life? Your pain would not seem less wondrous than your joy. And you would accept the seasons of your heart, even as you have always accepted the seasons that pass over your fields. And you would watch with serenity through the winters of your grief. Much of your pain is self-chosen. It is the bitter potion by which the physician within you heals your sick self. Therefore, trust the physician and drink his remedy in silence and tranquility. For his hand, though heavy and hard, is guided by the tender hand of the unseen. And the cup he brings, though it burn your lips, has been fashioned of the clay which the potter has moistened with his own sacred tears. So as I mentioned, um, this poem has uh, quite a different angle than, than I or, or most people that, I've, that I know uh, come at pain from. Um, that first line that he starts out with is... Well, I, I think instinctively I, I know that it's true. I'll say that. Your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. Um, regardless of its truthfulness, however, um, I think uh, I would probably say that I've spent much of my life trying to avoid pain. Um, and I love how he refers to, well, he uses, you know, the, you know, the, the seed has to break open so that it can grow. And he says that, you know, so must you know pain. So that growth from that, that seed growing into a plant is the same as our needing pain. That, our pain causes that growth in us is what he's, he's saying here. And, and again, instinctively, I, I think I know that that's true. Um, pain... Pain does, I mean, when I think about my life, you know, when I think about pain, pain has the potential to teach and to cause growth. And, you know, and he's advocating here that we try to see pain that way. And I love this when he, when he talks about, I, I like that he, you know, he, he um, I don't know, he, he states it, when he, when he uses the seasons here, he says um, he makes pain. He, he's telling us that pain is part of life, and uh, you know, just as the seasons are part of life, we accept the seasons that pass over our fields. So we should accept the pain that we go through. It's part of life, and you know, that hasn't been my experience. My experience has been. Avoiding pain, and I should say that when I when I 
think of pain when I mention pain. I include under that umbrella discomfort and fear, uh, anything that is not comfortable, I guess. That's what I would describe as pain. And so, uh, but those, those are all part of life. I mean, that's something that we all go through. And, and I, I think that uh, you know, life is painful. Life is tragic. Um, you know, we are born and we immediately um, start dying, I guess. So it's full of tragedy. It's full of pain. So that is part of life. And you know, he's advocating here to accept that and to see it as a miracle. He says, could you keep your heart in wonder at the daily miracles of your life? Your pain would not seem less wondrous than your joy. You know, we have two opposites here, pain and joy. And it's, uh, again, pain is not in my world, in my life, not commonly, you know, thought of as something that I, I want to experience. And, and you know, I, I think a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people that I've spoken with, and there are a lot of people that, I mean, we have <laughs> people always trying to escape pain, and that's, and that's part of life, and that's, I, I think, the, that's the, the cause of, of, uh, so many dysfunctions and addictions is the attempt to avoid or to um, not experience pain and not just the physical pain. Again, it's, it's the discomfort, it's the fear, it's the um, sadness, it's, um, you know, all of these these uh, emotions or feelings that hurt, that uh, depression, all of these things that we try to avoid, that I try, you know, I'll speak for myself, that I try to avoid, that I've tried to avoid my whole life, those were an attempt to avoid pain. My experience, however, has been that you don't avoid pain. Pain doesn't go anywhere. It, it you know, you can do all sorts of things or I, you know, you know, employ all sorts of techniques to numb it, to keep it um, from really flaring up. But my experience has been that pain presents itself one way or the other. Sometimes it just sits and waits, sits and waits until I decide that, okay, I got to deal with it. And then it comes with a vengeance. Sometimes avoiding pain in one sense it will then present itself in another way, in another manner that isn't any less hurtful or destructive. Um, and add to that, add to the fact that you, the pain doesn't go away or you can't get rid of pain, um, at least that's been my experience, add to that the incredibly high price of trying to avoid it. Um, that price is incredibly high. Uh, like, you know, uh, an example that I think we all are familiar with, I think is maybe not in the sense, but is 
I think of the Garden of Eden. You know, in Genesis, it says that God put the man in the garden. And we're told that everything was provided for him. He could eat of all the fruit. He could eat of everything. And he just had to hang out with the lions and the bears. And, and everything was provided for him. And he was told, don't eat of the fruit. You know, because in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And so he was told to remain ignorant. And so I think, you know, ignorance was the key to staying in the garden. Ignorance was the key to avoiding the pain of real life. And I think that's a price that is paid. That's a price that I know I've paid. Ignorance in... I don't know how many ways, you know, how many ways you can define ignorance, ignorance of so many different things. I've paid for that in many ways. Um, you know, and it took the woman to come along, interestingly, and she, maybe not interestingly, but it took her to come along to figure it out. And, you know, I know some people, some people look on Eve as making a mistake in doing so, and I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that, well, um, I don't know that a utopian society would have been very pleasant, um, even with the absence of pain. I, I tend to side, I think, with Dostoevsky in his book uh, Notes from Underground. He, you know, he's kind of a critique on utopianism, the Crystal Palace, and he says that uh, you know you give somebody everything, you give them everything they need. Well, eventually they're going to uh, invent destruction and chaos just to mix things up a bit. Because he says just to mix things up, invent destruction and chaos just to show that he's not a piano key, that he's human. I love that. But um, so anyhow, so I mean the price for avoiding pain is ignorance. And I look at my life and I think I suffered that. Um, because in order to avoid pain, you have to avoid living. You have to avoid um, going out and learning and growing and experiencing. I mean, that's how you learn and grow is through experience. And my, what I did, you know, I, I always, when I think about my life, I think, you know, I mentioned, you know, when my mom passed away that, that kind of was a, a turning point for me. At, at least that's the first time I can remember it. I don't know if it was before or how, how, to what degree it was before that, but when she died, um, I, I, I can remember just kind of a switch, just like, okay, I'm going to, uh, I don't want to feel this pain. I don't want to feel this. I'm just going to do what I think other people want. Uh, I went wantless and needless. I'm not going to ask for anything. Uh, I'm just going to kind of be there, and I'm going to try to... Um, I'm just going to exist. And I did that for a long time. And when I, when I... For a long, long time, up and I would say probably to one degree or another up to the la up until the last few years, maybe up until last September, frankly... Um, 
and I'm, I'm sure I, I still do it to some degree, but I'm, I'm really actively trying to get out of that. But when I think about my life, when I think about that, you know, the, the parallel the, or the analogy that I have is that I am on a little raft on a big ocean and I'm just floating on this raft and I'm not dying. I'm staying afloat, but it's not much of a life. And again, I know that's kind of a dramatic uh, analogy because I did have good times, like I've mentioned. I mean, there were, my life has not been doom and gloom the whole time. I mean, I've had good experience. I mean, I've had good relationships. and But for the most part, I have, well, I, I'll say it this way, that um, there are parts of me that I kept tucked away, like important parts of me, parts of me that uh, will, you know, that that bring joy to me. Like for instance, writing poetry. The whole purpose, you know, the poet delayed. I didn't write poetry. Uh, I shut down these real vital parts of who I was uh, because uh, I. I guess I didn't feel like I had the um, enough enough life to give them life, so to speak. Uh, it would have been too too much, too heavy, to try to to live those parts of myself, and so I shut them down. And that's where I am. That's why uh, you know. So I did have good times, other than that, but I never like. A, I wasn't me, I, I guess. I mean, going back to the E. e. Cummings, may I be I is the only prayer. I, I was not me. I, I, I strived to be whatever would avoid chaos, whatever would um, kick the can down the road so I didn't have to deal with hard things, so I didn't have to feel pain. That's what I strived to be. And in the process of doing that, yes, there were good times, but there was no... Um, meaning in my life uh, and again I feel like I need to qualify every time I say that because I, I did have meaningful I mean I did have meaningful times but just the overall the, whole, the me as a person it was lacking significantly to the point where I just I wasn't myself I, I like I said I was just whoever I whoever it was that could avoid chaos or whoever it was that could um, make somebody laugh rather than deal with stress um, and so that was me on the raft there was so much more to me that I wanted to do that I just didn't do because um, doing so would expose me would um, there was too much pain involved because I would have to, I would have to, I guess what it is is I gave up those important parts of myself because I felt that exploring those and um, developing those would be too difficult, too much pain, there would be contention, there would, um, like, like for instance, I mean going back to the analogy of the raft, 
along with that analogy, uh, you know, I've always said that, so here, here I am on this raft, just glad to not be sinking. And it's kind of like my oatmeal without salt or sugar um, analogy. But I'm just glad to not be sinking, you know, and I'm clinging onto this little raft and just, you know, grateful for what I have. And meanwhile, it's my understanding while I'm on this raft that somewhere beyond the horizon is a land with um, adventure and, you know, in short, I can find meaning over the horizon that I can't, I can't see it, but it's over there. And so I'm on this raft and I have a decision. Do I stay floating on this little raft? Half a person or, you know, not a whole person to be sure. Um, or do I get in the ocean and start swimming to the horizon and hope that maybe there's meaning over there? And, um, that swimming is scary. That swimming is hard. Um, there's always sharks in the ocean. And as much as I like watching Shark Week, um, the thought of a shark swimming beneath me, even not even far away somewhere, is enough to keep me out of the water sometimes. But um, it's scary. And it's uncomfortable. And... You know, there's this fear in my head that, well, what if I leave my little raft and I get over there because I can't even see beyond the horizon. I get over there and there's nothing there. There's this fear that I don't want to uh, give up what little, what little I have. And so that's painful. You know, I, I, I qualify that as pain in, in, in my definition of pain. It's scary and it's uncomfortable and Frankly, swimming gets painful. Um, and so for so long, I just stayed on the raft. And it's the price was high because I did miss out on a lot. I did miss out on developing myself because of that fear. Um, the, you know, the, the shell of my understanding stayed, in, in for, for, you know, for a lot of parts of my understanding, I should say, stayed sealed. And I didn't see it as, as, uh, as wondrous, for sure. You know, I, I will say that I've left the raft and I've been swimming, um, to go back to that analogy, and I've been swimming, and it's hard and it's scary, and I've wanted to swim back to the raft, and I've actually made, made attempts to go back to the raft. Um, but I haven't. And I'm still swimming, and I look back, and that raft's... I think that raft is out of reach now, and it's gone. So I'm still swimming, and I really only have one way, one place to go. So I'm in, I'm in the thick of the pain now. I'm in the thick of the discomfort now. And in a, in a minute, I want to kind of talk about how to deal with that, for me at least, you know, things that I've learned about how to deal with that because um, I think that it's doable and um, I know that it's doable 
and I've you know so I've had an understanding about things and so anyway I'll I just want to finish talking about this poem here. Now I'll be be honest with you the second half of the poem I'm still kind of working through my head because you know he references a physician and the unseen the tender hand of the unseen and the potter and he's capitalized those so that's usually indication of a of a well, usually indication he was a Christian I think he was a Maronite Christian or his family was I don't think he was uh, practiced much but anyhow that's usually indicative of uh, Jesus Christ or, or or God and you know, I, I don't know if that's what he was trying to say here I think it's really easy to apply that and I think that would be apropos for a lot of people and I, I think though that it's enough depending on what you're where you are spiritually you know maybe that's you inside that that's you know, I've talked about um, my Carl Malone method where I will come and talk to myself uh, in my mind um, kind of to help me work through things. Maybe that's who it is. Maybe it's, it's your, you know, your, uh, maybe it's you. It's the complete whole part of you that is in there that, you know, that's me who's in there. That I'm trying, that is, knows what's best and trying to help me get there. So maybe that's what is uh, he's referring to, or you know, I, I think that it, we, you know, we can apply that to whatever or however we feel it best works. So I'm still kind of, I, I don't, I, I'm still thinking about that second part. Um, I do like this line, though. He says, much of your pain is self-chosen. I thought a lot about that. And what does that mean, it's self-chosen? I think in one sense it can mean that um, pain is a consequence of our other decisions. You know, whenever we make a choice, there are consequences one way or the other. Sometimes that consequence is painful. So that may be a reference to that. Um, but I think sometimes sometimes we know that pain is what we need to go through, not necessarily for the sake of going through pain. I don't think I, I don't think that we that pain, in my experience, it doesn't seem to me that that pain by itself is valuable. Um, if, if, if we're just suffering, then I don't, I don't know that there's much for us to gain there. Uh, I don't know that, that pain for pain's sake is going to crack our understanding. Um, in fact, there's a quote by Nietzsche that uh, I've, I think is a great quote. And I, actually, where's that? Talking about uh, mankind, he says, but his problem was not suffering itself but that there was no answer to the crying question, why do I suffer? The, meaningless, the meaninglessness of suffering, not suffering itself, was the curse that lay over mankind so far. And I think that's uh, in Beyond Good and Evil uh, by Nietzsche. But 
I love that. It's and that kind of goes with what I was saying. I don't think that suffering or that pain for pain's sake is what we're after, what I'm after. That's not what I'm after. I want to, um, you know, the pain that I that I feel like is going to break my under or or or, or uh, break the shell that encloses my understanding is going to be pain that's related to, re- related to me meaning, what is meaningful to myself, what is meaningful to me, and and that's in line with. Uh, um, something Viktor Frankl wrote in his book, uh, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, he said, um, in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds meaning. And I, I love that because, I mean, those of you who are parents, I think this is a, a, for me, this is an easy way to understand it and maybe it is for you as well. You know, if, if, I have children who are suffering, or if my children are, are if, if they're suffering, or if they are um, having problems, it's almost like, to me, I'm willing to step in and be there with them or take it upon myself, because that is meaning to me, to care for my children and, and to... I mean that. So, in my mind, that's that's an easy way for me to understand and and comprehend this. That in in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds meaning. And you know, another thing, another quote from Nietzsche is, "He who has a why to live for can bear with almost any how." So, what is what is my why? I want to. Um, I want to be a complete person. I, I, I want to know myself. To me, that is important. I want, I want to establish a foundation where I understand who I am. What are my principles? What are my um, values? Um, I, who am I? I want that foundation. That is important to me because when I, I feel like if I have that, then. I can build other relationships on top of that, solid relationships, and I won't lose, I won't go adrift, I won't lose, um, I won't lose sight of myself, and I can continue to, you know, be a good father and and um, be a help to my children and be a help to other people if I know who I am. So for me that's a why why am I doing this because of that okay that's why I'm doing it how am I going to get there do I need to go what do I need to go through and it's painful and I know I'm not the only one who 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 you know suffers this type of pain I know there's a lot of people out there and there are other pains there I mean we all suffer it's part of life um but when we have a why why am I doing this? And we understand that meaning. Then it's been my experience that I'm more willing to step into the fear, the pain, and do what I feel like needs to be done. And that doesn't mean I, I just continue on. I mean, I've, I've done that before and then uh, recoiled because sometimes it's just 
I guess sometimes it's almost I, I don't know what I'm getting into. I don't know what you know what that pain is, and I'm I'm sure there's many of you out there who've experienced that as well, where you know you step into it and it's much more than you thought it was going to be, and the natural instinct is to recoil and. I, frankly, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, kind of something I've tried to reiterate in these messages is that I think we need to be patient with ourselves because this is hard work. It's not easy work. For me, I, I know it's not easy work. It's, you know, like I said, I've spent my life avoiding this type of stuff. I mean, just doing these podcasts is, the fact that I'm actually doing these is, has been very good for me. But it's also very hard to, um, I, I guess, be vulnerable. But I find that as I've done that, I feel like I'm growing and, and understanding. I feel it helps me understand more. I find my meaning more this way. And that's, that's as valuable as anything, I think. Well, from what I've been saying, I... That's true. It's as valuable as anything to find that meaning. Um, but yeah, it's hard. And so I think we need to be patient with ourselves. I, I know I try to be patient with myself. Um, by no means am like uh, just trudging right along. I've had a lot of uh, setbacks and shied away from the pain, flinched, recoiled. But it's all right because I'm not going back. I'm still heading forward. I'm still working forward. It's just sometimes hard. Um, but the thing about the pain, though, is that I, 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 I've experienced that as I'm going through and voluntarily, uh, willingly facing and confronting the pain, rather than hiding from it, that I get, you know, I, my courage increases and I become able to, I, I guess I'm more tempered, I'm, I'm, I'm able to go forward more, it's not as daunting, it's, I mean, coming from a long way, so it's still pretty daunting, but it's not as daunting. Um, you know, I, I, it's important, I think that, you know, there's this concept in, uh, um, Brothers Karamazov, I know for sure. I haven't read Crime and Punishment for a long time, but Dostoevsky's uh, Brothers Karamazov, there's this concept, self-laceration, as I understand it. It's, uh, you know, when when you, we are suffering, um, self-laceration would be to find meaning in that suffering, then you just take it all and it's just hard. And you, you know, life is hard, and, and then that becomes your identity almost, and you make it harder. Um, and you just, I mean, I guess that's the way it becomes your identity. And now that's my understanding of it, and, and you see it in Brothers Karamazov throughout. However, um, the way I'm tr I, I try to look at the suffering is or pain is, I want to suffer upward, if that makes sense. Um, I don't want to, I mean, suffering for me has a tendency sometimes to pull me down to, like I said, to, to recoil. And 
it can be depressing sometimes when you think of the pain and the suffering that, that is part of life. It can be enough to set you back to where you don't want to do it anymore. Um, but I want to suffer upward. I want to, I want it to be productive, I guess is another way I would say that. Um, and another thing that Nietzsche said about suffering, he said, profound suffering makes noble. It separates. Those are his words. Profound suffering makes noble. It separates. Um, and I like that concept. I like that idea. And I think that that's true. I mean, you know, if we suffer well, if we step into it, if we find meaning in it, then it's productive and we can manage it. We can bear almost any how when we have that meaning. But when I do, as I've done so often, avoid it or try to avoid it, because like I said, I don't think you ever can avoid it, then I guess like when I when I lived in Germany when I was a kid, we lived in this Air Force Base, Ramstein Air Force Base, and we lived in uh, base housing and there's just apartments. And in the basement, there's a long hallway. And uh, um, it, ran the, it ran the length of the building. And everybody in the building had a storage unit down there. And so along the hallway, Every so off, every I don't, I don't know how long it was. Every ten feet, maybe there was a, a doorway leading into a storage room, and the doorways were kind of deep. And we were playing hide and go seek once, and I ran downstairs, and I ran to the end of the hallway and hid myself, you know, just like pressed myself up against one of the storage room doors, hiding in that doorway. And it was deep enough to where if someone, somebody was in the hallway, they wouldn't be able to see me. And so there I was, you know, tied up against this uh, door. Thought it was a pretty good hiding place. And then I heard whoever, I don't remember who was it. I don't remember who I was playing with, but whoever it was, it was it. I could hear their footsteps coming down the stairs. And I froze. And it was terrifying to me. And I stood there just waiting and then I uh, like it was almost too much the the anticipation the anxiety was just too much and I ended up not being able to handle it and I jumped out almost to kind of say like I'm going to give myself up you're not going to get me I'm going to give myself up like there's some virtue in giving up but um, what I didn't know was that that person had turned around and he or she was about to walk back upstairs and had I just held a little bit longer I would have been free but it was just too much for me and I gave up and gave myself up and I, I, I think about that and I may have told that already in the podcast I feel like I have but so I think it's a good story to hear a second time because it's I think it illustrates a lot of a lot of uh, principles and so 
in this episode, it, 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 you know, that fear, I, that fear controlled me then, or, and, and again, I, I say fear of pain because it, it was a painful situation. And had I just sat there and managed myself, now I was nine, 10 years old. So what, what can you expect? I don't know. But had I just managed myself, you know, I would have been out. And so I, I think about that, you know, in those painful moments in my life. How do I handle those? Do I jump out and give myself up because it's just too much? Or do I find meaning in it? And do I, do I commit to do, to make it through regardless? You know, maybe I, maybe I get found out, you know, maybe the pain buckles me. Um, But let it buckle me, I guess, is the mentality that I want to have. You know, maybe... Maybe it, uh, um, maybe it, maybe the pain wins a battle, you know, but, you know, it's a saying, you know, it's the battle, not the war, you know, there's a whole war, it's not just the battle, maybe the pain wins a battle, maybe it wins two battles, maybe three battles, but that's where I want to get to in my life, where I'm not trying to avoid it anymore, but that I'm facing it. And to do that, to be successful, I need to find meaning. And, I, and I'm finding meaning. You know, I, I mentioned, you know, that, you know, my meaning is my suffering, my pain. I'm learning who I am. I'm learning what I can, what I can uh, achieve. You know, I think, you know, when we, when we suffer, we understand our limits physically and maybe emotionally we understand our limits of who we are, and that's that's a way I think that that's that's an understanding, at least my, you know, the way I read it. That's an understanding that that um, opens through pain if we um, endure it, if we if we don't tap out. Um, and again, I, you know, there is pain out there that is, I mean. I feel like I've experienced some pretty hard, deep, dark pain. And I, I know of a lot of people who have experienced deep, dark pain. And I know there's pain much worse than I've ever experienced that people go through all the time. Um, so I know I have not seen the worst of it. And so... Again, I just we just need to be patient with ourselves, and we need to have support, and that's been a huge part of my ability to now, you know, face the pain, the discomfort, as I'm trying to make these changes in my life, is I have good support. I have some people that I can trust, people that I can talk to, and frankly opening up as I'm doing in this podcast, uh, making myself vulnerable and sharing these, sharing these things has been incredibly helpful for me. And, um, I guess it, it, uh, Brene Brown, I think it was who said, you know, to verbalize your shame, you know, cause it can't stand to be verbalized, you know, and, and I think that's with any anything that we struggle with, 
get it out there, speak it. You know, I've told my kids, you know, if you're struggling, come talk to me, whatever it is. I'm not going to judge you. Just come and talk to me. It, it, to get it out, to get out of your mind, to get out of the echo chamber in your head and just to get it out there. I feel like my experience has been, but if I can do that and, and have somebody that I can trust, somebody who can keep my confidence, who I can have a conversation openly with in detail about things that I'm struggling with, that relieves so much of the pain. Um, I think it's for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's acknowledging it myself. So I'm not avoiding it, I'm acknowledging it. And number two, um, now I have somebody who can help me see clearly so that I'm not, uh, I'm not reacting to this parade of um, horribles marching through my head uh, with nowhere to go, just back and forth, back and forth. So anyway, um, I appreciate your listening. Uh, uh, you know, this poem, I feel like, uh, you know, he's talking about pain. I feel like I, I kind of gave pain a, a wide berth, a big umbrella, and I put a lot of things under it. But I, I think that that his poem on pain is applicable to fear and discomfort and all those things that, that I have avoided that has kept me confined in my shell. It applies to all of those things that prevented me from becoming me, from, from uh, just that, is, that has kept me um, mired. So I, I've given it kind of a wide meaning here, I, but I think, it, I think it's applicable. And, you know, I think that, like I said, this book is an amazing book, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to do some more episodes. Uh, from other sections in this book. Um, anyway, I, I appreciate your listening. Um, again, if any of you have thoughts about this episode or any other episodes, uh, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at poetdelayed at gmail.com. And again, if, if any of you are interested, I've, you know, I've published a, a couple books, actually. One called My Mother Sleeps, which is a collection of poems, and then another one called On Becoming a Black Hole, which is a long poem that I published in a book. So if any of you are interested, uh, I'll put a link here in, in this and and check it out. Or you just go to, you know, buy it anywhere. Find books are sold as long as that place is amazon.com. You can buy one. So anyway, um, again, thank you for listening and I'll talk to you later. Thanks.